Welcome to Calvin's Corner. My name is Phil Nason. He's Pastor Michael Noonan, and we're here to present for you a show unlike any other Christian show you've ever heard. Michael, how you doing? Good. How are you, Phil? I'm doing okay. You know, the inter- this is really amazing here is this a million-dollar studio. And when I began here, there was nothing. I was the first one to use it. But the internet is like 10 cents worth, and it's awful. But we'll try to get through it. We'll do what we can do. Well, that's all we can do. Um, you know, I've, I've been having some fun uh, on Facebook recently. Maybe you saw some of the carnage. And uh, I got to say that my my little plan always seems to work. Whenever I get bored, I can always play with the born agains. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I missed this. Oh, right. And what, well, are you, what, are you, what are you doing with them, Phil? I was doing my Job thing again. Okay. You know, we did it on the show a couple times where, uh, you know, I would say something like, you know, why would you follow a God who won, who made a bet with Job and made or made a bet with the devil and let Job suffer? <laughs> and, and it's funny the responses that you get. Because invariably what happens is the people who defend God the most are probably not even Christians, if that makes sense. No. Oh, okay. Well, let me, let me further this then. Okay. I would say, you know, um, I'm Reformed, Presbyterian type of Reformed, I guess, is this what you are, um, or what I am, I should say. And one of the things, I've always thought that people who didn't want to be a part of the physical body of Christ, the ecclesia, uh, and just rejected the whole thing, probably aren't Christians in the same way that tennis players who reject playing tennis probably aren't tennis players. Well, that's, no. Okay. <laughs> no. So, so tell me, so tell me why, because see, my thing is, is one person came right out, basically told me I wasn't a Christian because I was rude and harsh and I, I say such terrible things about God and her God anyway. And it comes out that she doesn't go to church because there's too many hypocrites there. Right. So okay. Why would you? So, oh, that's so, that's that's a bad example. That's a bad idea. Right. Well, the first thing we need to do is define what's a Christian. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is is becoming a Christian something you do to yourself? No. Is it a choice that you make? No. Okay. So it's something that God does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and depending on what faith tradition that you are in. It's something that God either does by his sovereign grace or something that he does in cooperation with you. Right. And we're not going to debate those No, 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 that's not why I brought all this up. But the Bible's very clear that when you become a Christian, there has been a change made to your inner person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And from your Reformed perspective, that would be that uh, that which has been dead has been made alive. Right, resurrected, in other words. Right. Right. Uh, you've been uh, born again. Born you've again. made a new creature. In a Christ new creature. Jesus. So 
what you what you're proposing is is that somehow that gets reversed if you don't go to church. Well, no, no, no that's not kind of what I, that's not really what I meant. My thing is this: if you don't want to be a part of what God has put there, uh huh, and you don't want to be a part of the fellowship because there are hypocrites, that don't make sense to me. Well. <laughs> This is a very difficult topic. Because well, I know. That's why I sent the I, show notes a week ago. I deal with a lot of folks who are unchurched. I, I, I understand that. And we know that uh, there are growing numbers, especially among young people who mm-hmm. are unchurched. Right. There are some good reasons for people to be unchurched. I agree completely. However... There are certain things that you lose when when you stay unchurched. Right. And again, this is going to depend on the tradition that you belong to. Correct. But there is no such thing in the Bible as a lone believer. Well, that's just whether you, whether you like it or not, um, and you should like it. There, you belong to a, a larger group, a family that has been adopted by God. Mm-hmm. And worship in the Bible is uh, usually spoken of as a corporate um, institution, right? And in the in which you join with the other members of the family to receive. I mean, to receive from. God to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you belong to a sacramental church like I have, right, uh, then it becomes um, uh, even more important because you're going to receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins every right. week. Right. You're going to be baptized for admission into the church. The church is the place where God's people meet. Because you don't doesn't mean you're no longer part of God's people, mm. but you are in ways cheating yourself. Well, yeah, I, now, I get what you just having, said. Having said all that, I have people that are relatively close to me that uh, simply can't find a church that's worth attending. Well, there's the one of them is on the other line here. <laughs> Well, I I understand that. I had the a great thing, church, by the way. They ran my where? pastor out. That that happens. That happens because the, the church is still an institution full of fallen people. Of course, it is, and some really really bad things can happen, mm-hmm. and. And what we've tried to do over the last 15 years or so is make it clear that those things ought not to happen. And when they do, then there needs to be actions taken to help the people that have been the most affected. Okay. And to put in safeguards against those kind of things happening again. I'm with you on that all the way. You know this already. Yes. Now, one of the problems that we have in American evangelicalism is that it tends to be very personality-driven. Of course. And so when personalities fall, the whole thing falls apart. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, evangelicals have a different uh, idea of why we go to church. Um, they go to church to be, quote-unquote, fed by the Word. So it's all about the teacher. And in, in my tradition, it's you go to receive from God and to give to God. And it's an interactive type of worship. You're not just a passive spectator. Uh, and I think that, you know, especially for people that have been really uh, wiped out in evangelical churches, I would strongly suggest that they find an uh, Anglican community, uh, perhaps a Lutheran community. Now, you were in a Lutheran community, weren't you? Yes, I was, and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I was like really happy about it. See, one of the problems I have is that I, I move a lot. I'm on the go all the time. That's my biggest problem. But I go still. Well, the church, as I understand it, uh, we the gathering isn't about us. It's about us worshiping God. Mm -hmm. And so in a liturgical church, whether it be Roman Catholic, whether it be Anglican, Lutheran, uh, to a degree, some conservative Methodist churches, if it's a liturgical church, the emphasis is going to be on the worship of God and not on the pastor and, and not, on, not necessarily on you. Although you are going to uh, have an opportunity to confess your sins, uh, to hear absolution for your sins, to receive the body and blood of Christ. And it's not going to be so much about the pastor or the hypocrite sitting next to you who may or may not know that you're also a hypocrite. Uh, we're not good people. We're redeemed people. Well, that's right. And, and if we understand, then we can tolerate each other as sinners uh, in a much better way. But to your original question, you can still be a Christian and not be in church. But, but I would find it very difficult to uh, maintain my faith outside of a local body of believers. Well, see, this is just it. This is, as luck would have it, they have a way of doing that. What you can't do, what I have a hard time doing, what most normal people have a hard time doing. People who haven't been one-on-one -on -one instructed by the Holy Spirit have a hard time. You see, that's what it all really boils down to. See, that was part of my fish hunt. So like I said, I was fishing the other day. I was looking to see, the, I was looking to see how many of the people on my Facebook wall were people who were taught by the Holy Spirit. And I have one, had one anyway. And the thing is, is when the Holy Spirit is your teacher, you don't need anybody else. You don't need a single person. And some of the things that come out of their yappers, or in this case, keyboards, are awful frightening. And this is the danger that you run into when you get outside a local body of believers. God's talking to me now. Because God, God now speaks to you uh, directly and specifically and without any of the context that he's spoken to the corporate church for 2,000 years. God is using Donald Trump to uh, eliminate all the bad people in government. Really? Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, most of these people are conservative, too, actually, which is kind of contradictory in and of itself, but I digress. At the end of the day, well, these again, people are goofy. 
Well, we're all goofy. I mean, I know, we're but they, they've lost it. When, when, when you here's the thing: when you can't get through to people, or even have them listen, and they turn around and they start talking to you like you're crazy, because God's talking to them. You see. Well, if God's talking to you personally out, outside of of the traditions of the church, uh, then <laughs> you, you, you're going to have things to say that may not be um, orthodox. He spoke to, hey, he, but, but no, see, it's not true because, you see, greater things that you'll do because of the Holy Spirit who will be given to you to teach you into all truth. And that's where they're and lead you into all truth. And what happens is these folks they'll say things like, "Well, God spoke to Noah, and God spoke to Abraham, and God absolutely spoke to Moses. So why can't God speak to me?" Well, God can speak to you, but God uh, speaks now, according to the New Testament, through Jesus, mm-hmm. and Jesus uh, created a church. And it's through the church that we will uh, have our normative instruction through the church and the scriptures. Uh, we'll hear from God. Okay. And, and what you need to hear from God is uh, that you're a sinner. Yes. That you've sinned. That if you repent, those sins are forgiven. And you walk out understanding who you are in Christ. Okay. Uh, and you're strengthened through uh, the Eucharist. That, that's how we would look at it. But what these people do is try and deny the institution of the church. They deny the fact that Jesus created the institution of the church. And they set themselves up as Latter-day Moses. Yes. And everybody else is wrong. And unfortunately, this is a byproduct of uh, kind of the American spirit that, you know, we, we're all able to do anything we want to on our own, and it's our right to do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, that's not the witness of the scriptures. It's not the witness of history. It's not the witness of the church that Jesus instituted. And so um, while I understand that there are some people who have real good reasons for not being active in church, uh, I I, I really am with some of the things they come up with on their own. Well, that's just it. They come up with some crazy stuff, too. And and what they do is they usually find themselves with uh, big platforms and spout that foolishness everywhere. And if you even disagree that you're the bad guy, your tone is awful. Ah, Up yours. You know what? The end of the day, it's like this. No, really, they frustrate me to no end. You know, um, I, I don't claim to know it all. I never have. But one thing I do know is there was a reason they read the scriptures together. Everything done, see, this is why Christianity actually took off, and now why it's being destroyed from within, is because they've shunned the community, and you become wolves of one, or I should say sheep of one, or I, as I call it, cults of one. 
And what's happened is if you can't, how do I put this? A sheep. Usually a wolf doesn't attack a herd, but when they get you alone, that's when they get you. You are vulnerable when, when, when you step outside the, the walls of the historic church. You're being very ironic today. You should be more and more agreeing with me. <laughs> well, I, I, I would, except for the fact that I ran a website for 16 years uh, with a lot of people on it, a lot of good and godly people mm-hmm. who don't go to church. Right. They got, they got blown up. Well, but some of those it's people a, blown take. up. Well, they got blown up by some serious stuff. They didn't get blown up because Marcy next to me is is a hypocrite. Yeah, and and a lot of times with people like that, Phil, they they want something from the church in terms of recognition, um, in terms of some sort of idea that they. Uh, <laughs> they should be in leadership. Yeah, yeah. That. I had one guy tell me he got mad at the church because they wouldn't let him preach. Yeah, and and the the people that almost I'd, I'd say ninety five percent of those people who have contacted me over the years and so they were mad because the church wouldn't let him teach. I send the church a card congratulating them on their discernment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what? That's that's how you know the Holy Spirit is alive. In See, that Holy, church. Yeah, the Holy Spirit has put spirit-filled people in the church as teachers for 2,000 years. So if I have a unique take on a piece of Scripture, I'm probably falling desperately into heresy. Yeah, of everything course. Everything I teach, everything I believe, I filter through um, the prominent people that God has raised up over the years. No, God didn't do and, that. See, that's the thing, Michael. This is there. You st- I have to stop you right there because this is the whole point. That was awesome. You re- re- you're finally working with me today. Here's the thing. We've I'm got exploded. A- I know, but it's okay. Here's the deal. We've got these people who have obviously studied, learned the languages, most of them anyway, and who have come up with some pretty good you know, interpretation, and most of them are actually very close to each other. And then you get these yo-yos who think that they have the Spirit, and God is only the Holy Spirit teaching them. Don't you think the Holy Spirit taught John Calvin, too? Well, I do. I'm I'm talking to these people, Michael. Well, (laughs) the the problem with, you know, this kind of thought is they never read Calvin. And more importantly, they've never read uh, Chris Austin. They've never read the Church Fathers. They've never read Luther. Uh, they probably haven't read much of anything out some, outside of some wackadoodle on the Internet. Or a Jack Chick tr- or a Chick track. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that uh, happens as you grow as a Christian, is I believe your uh, your theology tends to broaden out um, because you're exposed to more and more um, people who thought differently, slightly differently, had a different uh, view of 
certain doctrines. Now, I catch a lot of hell, so to speak. I'm going to catch a bunch from this, too. Because, I, you know, to me, the, the first place you start is with the early creeds. And you understand that the church agreed on these a few specific doctrines that defined what it was to be a Christian. And once you understand those, those primary doctrines, you know, you can hang a lot of stuff off of those. A Christian. You're, you're, you're still in the Orthodox faith. My problem with a lot of these people is they uh, get apoplectic when you mention the creeds, because uh, that's Catholic. Hmm. Even though there was not really a Roman Catholic church at the time, it was the church universal that agreed on these specific doctrines. Which is actually what Catholic means before they put Catholic, Roman in front of it. Yeah, Catholic small c. Right. And so that, you know, that becomes, uh, you know, they become authoritative because they've had some subjective experience. Uh, if your subjective experience disagrees with the early creeds of the church, and you can spend a lifetime looking at all of the reasons the church formulated those creeds. Those are called patristic scholars. And you know, one of them is a very close friend of mine. And it's amazing. <laughs> uh, the, the, and, and the time put in and the information gleaned from it. Right. If you, that's, that's where you start. And, uh, if you if you really think that your subjective um, uh, thoughts on Christianity are greater than what the church itself decided, um, you have ego problems that I don't want to deal with. Yeah, you know what that is right too. When it, when, well, I mean, as, as a teacher, as a pastor, part of what I do is. I, I defer to the history of the church. And in those places where the church has always taught certain things, and I, I, I get a wild hair that I, I think it's different, I have to defer to what the church has said. Right. And if I can't, that means I've got some personal issues of my own. And unfortunately, you know, we've had some of those. That, that's that's how we got Jehovah's Witnesses. That's how we got Mormons. And that's how we've gotten every aberrant sect in the history of the church. Yeah, exactly. And because they say, well, you know, God straightened me out uh, and informed me that the rest of the church is corrupt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's my a, God. Every, it's everybody but me and those who agree with me. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. how it works. Well, good luck with that. But that's not how it was meant to be. And no. that's not why the way became what is now known as Christianity, because people saw those communities and how they interacted, even though they were sinners, and even though they were a little bit silly at times, how they still cared about one another, how they made sure that everyone had something that they needed. Um, they, had, they didn't sue each other, all those things, you know, those little things. And you can probably well, glean some of those things if you read the book of, I don't know, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 
right? Something like that. Well, it's really summed up in how they loved each other. Yeah. That's the mark of the church. And without it, um, you don't have a church. And your reasoning for leaving the church because somebody's a hypocrite is probably not good enough. That's my opinion anyway. I know why people, some people leave. Some people who are listening to this show, I know why they've left and why they don't want to be a part of things. And I can't say that I blame them. But they're also trying to work through some of those things too. And I never heard one time someone, one of them say, well, the Holy Spirit told me to leave. No, not... And, and most people actually long for a church home that is um, nurturing, loving, solid, holy, and, and it's harder and harder to find um, because uh, pastors have become mostly entrepreneurs in some places, and we have a business model instead of a family model, and I could go on and on and on. Right. And again, I would say to those people, find a liturgical church where the emphasis is on the worship of God, not on the worship of the pastor, and just settle in and let somebody feed you for a while. And then you'll feel better. It'll get better. That's and it will get too. better and get strengthened. That's because true. it's and and you're right. If when you're out there by yourself, you're you're a target. And you'll get hit too. You'll get beat up. You can't survive by yourself. Yeah, and I mean, you you can get beat up in the church too. But yes, uh, it's 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 very hard to maintain a biblical faith outside the church. You can get beat up. You're right, and I'm not making light of that. By the way, I've been a very staunch advocate of that. And speaking of beat up, Saeed Abedini is back in the news, and I, you know. I'm still trying to wipe the egg off my face. You know, I had a pretty big show at one time. I guess it still is, even though it's, well, it is what it is. And on that show, in the seven years that I did it, I brought on three people to talk about Christianity. Um, I did it, well, Ira Wagner, Ira Wagler wrote a book called Growing Up Amish that I enjoyed and brought him on the show. He didn't really talk about Christianity as much as how he left the Amish faith. Then I had a guy who wrote a book called The God of the Mundane. His name is Matt Redmond. Um, he came on. And then you came you know, Yes. Yes. And then you came on a couple of times, one to promote your book, make your own application. And then another time we discussed a movement that we were going to turn everything yellow or green or something of that nature. Yellow. Saeed Abedini, the pastor falsely imprisoned in Iran. Yep. Um, and I'm glad we did. Yeah, me too. Um, we did what we thought was right. And we did what we thought was righteous. Mm-hmm. And we did what we did out of the love for The church. Well, it's turned out that this guy is. Uh, it's our podcast, right? Yep. It's, he's an asshat. Uh, without, there, without a doubt. This this guy is just a 
a, a, a joke. Um, not a very funny one. No. Uh, and that's really unfortunate. And he had a lot of help and a lot of people were complicit in this. I just want him to go away. And, you know, that story has not been fully written yet. When it is fully written, I think um, it will uh, not bring shame on the people that stood for him, not bring shame on the people that, that tried so hard and prayed so much and gave so much to get him released, but it will just heap incredible shame on him. Yeah, not just him, too. Uh, yeah, he had he had some accomplices. A lot of them. And you know what? Unfortunately, I don't want to get into that part, but... He's he's back in the news. He violated a restraining order. What a joker he is! And I gotta say, they say he's a pastor or something. And I can't. I've been trying to find out for two weeks, and I can't find the church he's at. Maybe I call Franklin Graham, but Franklin Graham is busy talking about the president these days to worry about a little thing like helping pull off probably one of the greatest hoaxes on the body of Christ in this century. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's this one is of those a cheery show to, today, isn't it? Yeah, we're 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 happy today. Uh, <laughs> this is one that I just kind of have to let go of because it's um, it's kind of everything that that I think is wrong with how we do a lot of things in Christianity in this country. But I I, I think it's real important that we make it clear that we didn't do anything wrong. The people that were, were praying and giving and working with us and, and all these different groups that were working to get him released, they did the right thing. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that, that in the future that this doesn't make it more difficult for the body of Christ to get together in some sort of endeavor where it's needed. Um, because this... This is this has been a mess. And you folks, when it does happen, you folks who aren't in church, you're welcome to join us too. Amen. For real. For Pastor Michael Noonan, I'm Phil Nasons. We want to thank you for listening to Calvin's Corner.